pray a prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. There's more than one way to look at things. Something happens and, and people take it in different ways. The same, the same facts, but different truths are drawn from it. On New Year's, I was reading a New York Times article that went back through the 173 or whatever previous New Year's Day's papers of the New York Times and pulled out some pretty interesting stories. Um, I'll give you some of the quotes. It might be a little bit of a history. You might, you might have to refresh your history a little bit to get how wrong some of these statements were, but, but I think you'll get the picture. So I'm going to start January 1st, 1861. That's year rings any bells. The, the article talked about some of the struggles that the nation was going through, but then had this quote, this great republic will only grow stronger and greater with the procession of months. Not quite how that year turned out. If you look at some of the headstones, I guess it's that way, right? In the, the Confederate section of the cemetery across the street. That was the Civil War, not really a, a greater union. Maybe they did better. Let's try 1929, January 1st. You've got the, uh, the financial section talking about a bullish economy for the coming year. 1929, Great Depression, eh, not so bullish, right? Maybe they did better in politics. How about 1984, the uh, uh, political writer who predicted this. I don't see the GOP having much hope for success in this year's election. For reference, that was the year Reagan won the Electoral College by a greater margin than anyone had in the last half century since Roosevelt. He didn't quite get that one. Maybe they did better in the 21st century. How about 2007? The tech writer, when discussing whether or not Apple would ever join the cell phone market, Probably never. Different people look at the facts and come to very different conclusions, right? In our text today, on this epiphany, sometimes called the Gentile Christmas, where we see how the birth of Jesus affects people all over the world, today we have one piece of information that was handled in two very different ways. And it led to two very different results. So the piece of information was that first reading, right? The, the prophecy from Balaam inspired by God about the star rising out of Judah, the scepter coming out of Israel. So it's a promise of a king coming from Israel, from, from David's descendants, and a star. So that king, you put that in context of all the other promises in the Old Testament, the, the, the readers would have understood we're talking about the king, the Messiah, the one that was promised, the one who would, who would save his people. And then the star would mark his birth. So there's the piece of information. And, and two different groups had it. Right? We don't know much about the Magi. We don't know how many there were. We don't know where they were from, really. We don't know what king they were serving. We just know they had the promise. 
We don't know how they got that promise. Some people say, well, maybe it was Daniel who, 500 years before that, was an Israelite that was taken into exile in Babylon and became the leader of all the Magi. Maybe that's how, but we don't know. We don't know what they thought about it. We don't know if they believed in the true God. We simply know that they were in the east. They saw the star. They had the promise. King Herod. He was the king of the Jews. Technically, he was an Edomian, an Edomite. But he was a savvy enough and powerful enough politician to be able to have, have earned that, that role as king of the Jews with the full support of the Jewish religious leaders, with the, with the full support of the Roman emperor. He was a powerful king. I mean, he was a great builder. He's the guy who built the temple, who rebuilt the temple that the disciples would marvel at three decades later. I mean, he was, he was a good king, and he was the king of the Jews, and he was involved with the temple. So, yes, he knew the promises, too. The Magi and Herod, they both had the promise, but they handled it very differently. A king was born. The Magi saw the star, and they went to go find it. They, they went to go, to go meet this. They connected it to God's promise. They got to Jerusalem. They tell Herod about the promise, about the star. So now Herod has the promise, too. In fact, Herod had even more of the promise. I don't know if you caught it, but the, the Magi, they asked King Herod where the king of the Jews was to be born. And then when Herod asked his religious scholars, he made clear he knew this was much more than a king that was promised. He asked them where the Messiah was to be born. The Christ, the one that God had promised to save his people, the one who would create an eternal kingdom, the one who would defeat their enemies, who would save his people from their sin. That's all in that name that Herod used to ask about the Messiah who had been born. So yes, they both had the promise. Herod even had more details on it. And the Bible scholars knew exactly what he was talking about. Oh, the promise? Yeah, the Messiah will be born in Bethlehem. So they both had the promise. Now look at how they deal with it. We'll start with Herod. Verse 3 says, Herod was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. Why? Well, a, a king was born. Herod was the king. Herod liked being the king. Herod was kind of defensive about his role as the king. It was this king, Herod, that had his wife's brother killed because he thought that he had some aspirations for some of his power. And when that didn't calm his paranoia, well, then he killed his wife and two of his sons. Threats to his throne, he thought. Herod was willing to kill to make sure he stayed king. And Jerusalem knew it. So when Herod was disturbed, yeah, the whole city was disturbed because you never knew what Herod was going, was going to do. You just knew that if he, if, if he was disturbed, it wouldn't be something good that he would do. So Herod tells the Magi, go and find the child. And then come back and report to me so that I can worship him too. Of course, 
you read any further in Matthew's account, then you see that Herod was lying. He didn't want to worship the child. He wanted to kill this threat to his throne. He had the promise, but he didn't see its promise because it wasn't what he wanted to see. It wasn't what he thought he needed. You see the problem here? You see what's going on? Herod was sure that he was the king. He was the answer to any problem. He was the one who could handle things. You want a better life? You want more revenue? Well, Herod could handle that. He he is the guy that built the port city of Caesarea with its beautiful harbor to protect the ships, and and he exponentially increased their their trading and, and their income. You want protection? Well, Herod could handle that, too. He is the guy that built the the fortress Masada way up on on the cliff there. That was the one that was so strong and so powerful that even the Romans, 70 years later, when they came in and destroyed everything of Israel, they couldn't get to that. Not until all the inhabitants committed suicide. But in Herod's lifetime, that was impregnable. He could handle it. If there was a problem... He would find a solution, he would do what needed to be done, and he would take care of it. That's what he thought. So he didn't go and worship the king. Instead, he plotted how he would handle this threat to his control. I know you probably don't want to put yourself in the role of Herod in this story, right? He's the bad guy. The problem is, The reason, one of the reasons he's the bad guy is because he doesn't realize that he's the bad guy. You see the problem there. If we don't want to admit that we're like Herod, well, that's exactly the same problem that got Herod into all of the trouble. Because we don't want to admit that all too often we try to handle our own salvation. We try to be the answer to our problems. We don't want to admit that it's actually our pride that causes our gossip and so many other sins. Our greed that that prevents excited offerings. Our lust that messes with our relationships. Our selfishness that causes tension. It's our problems. My sin. It's not everyone else's fault as we like to try to tell ourselves. It's my sin. That's messed things up. And that's not easy to say. That's not easy to admit. Not not for real. We need the Savior that was promised. Both had the promise. Herod thought he knew better. He knew what he needed, just like we so often look for our solutions in ourselves instead of in God's promise. But thankfully, Herod wasn't the only one who had the promise here. There were those foreigners, those non-Jews that also had the problem. The Magi, they had the promise. And we often call them the wise men, but truth be told, their kind were all too eager to call foolishness wisdom. They, They were the ones that would seek wisdom from anything that called itself a god. 
they'd, they'd go through the animal to look at the entrails to, to see what, what wisdom that had for them. They'd, they'd search the stars and see what the astrological signs would, would tell them about what might happen next. The very thing that God warned against. But by God's amazing grace, He gave to those foreigners, those pagan wise people, He gave the promise. And they saw the star. And they knew that it meant the birth of the king of the Jews. So they went to Jerusalem. Because, of course, the capital city of the Jews, they'd know where the, the, the child was. They'd know about this newborn king. And think of what it took for them to get there. They sacrificed their time, probably months, on a journey. Their, their money to fund that thing, their, their, their effort, their energy, all of it. Because the God of the Jews had kept his promise and they just wanted to meet him. They wanted to know him. Now, of course, they didn't find him in Jerusalem. They needed the rest of the promise. And when they heard what the Bible said, that the, the Messiah, the one that was promised, was going to be born in Bethlehem, of course they went there. The, the, the Messiah was worth their time and effort. Finding what, what this is all about was more important than anything else. It's worth pursuing and learning more and more about it. And look at how God blessed their efforts. Did you notice in that second part? The star led them to the very house where the child and his mom were. And what did they do? They worshipped. They bowed down and gave the best that they had and then it said they went home with joy. Great joy. So they both had the promise. You see the difference? One took it for granted, figured he knew better how to handle life, and so then he had to handle all the stress that went along with it. The other searched out, sought, followed, learned more about that promise, and, and they went home with joy. Which do you want to be? On Christmas, we heard the angels announce good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Realize how much you need this Savior. Realize how much you need that news. And, and then seek it out. Search it. Study it. Probably not a surprise. A pastor is up here telling you, read your Bible. Come to Bible study. Come here and worship that newborn king. Because the more you learn, the more you'll realize that our way of handling life doesn't usually work. And the more you'll worship your Savior. Longing for opportunities like this to bow down and give him our best. May God make you all wise men and wise women in Christ. Amen. I may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.